I'm Nick Turzo, and you're listening to The Radical. I'm excited for today's show as I get the opportunity to have a conversation with an up-and-coming artist. Nothing makes a former A&R guy happier than speaking with a new, young talent about their process, drive, and struggles. My guest today releases her first full studio album titled Heaven's Just a Flight in April. The project is a very personal work which demonstrates huge emotion, heart, and determination. I'm excited for listeners to meet pop singer, songwriter, Caroline Kingsbury. Up next, my chat with Caroline Kingsbury. Hello, Caroline. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Thanks for having me over the internet. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So I, I, as I mentioned, I'm excited to finally, uh, I think this is in my 30s or 40s of these shows now. So I'm excited to have kind of a young artist who's enthusiastic and trying to find her way in this brutal world. Oh, God. Yep, that's me. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. So you have a new record coming out. Um, When's that coming? It's Heaven's Just a Flight. When is that? April 16th. It's my debut. I've never had an album out in the world before. What did you have prior? Do you have like EPs and or just yeah, single I songs? Yeah, singles. It was just sort of like I don't know. I I've just been kind of trying to figure out my sound for a while, and also my identity kind of like intermixed with that. Um, and took took some singles, took some taking down of singles, <laughs> you know, to to get to a place where I felt really confident and right. Um, and I mean, have you been, I mean, I know you, you attended Belmont University, yes? I did, yes, for one and a half years. Okay, and was that for like their commercial music program? For was songwriting. That, songwriting. Yes, yes. I tried out for the voice program. I didn't make it because I, really? I, didn't, I didn't have a, a classical voice background or anything. Um, and I how was that I experience? Had. I mean, how was that for you being at that school? I mean, it's... It was weird. I mean, it's a Christian school. So, and, and I, I actually was super Christian um, in high school. I was like actually converted believer person. Mm. Um, and it kind of was just at the time, like the right fit for me because of my faith and then also like doing music. Um, but it ended up being so much more than just being like a Christian music school or anything. It was, there's so many amazing people that I met and just like amazing artists that have come out of there. I don't know if you know who Yeba is, Abby Smith. I don't. Yeah. Her name is Yeba. She's, she, I mean, she's like released like two songs, but she, she's, she's like gained some like popularity on the internet. Cause she has this voice that is like the pure talent diamond voice, you know? Um, and I, like, I lived in the same dorm as her. And so there's just like people like that, that I went to school with, you know, that were just amazing. Right. So was your intent, like the whole Christian music path then when you got there? I mean, were you? No, 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 it wasn't. Um, I mean, I was, I was doing folk music actually. (laughs) It was starting out with folk. It was kind of like around the time that the Lumineers were very popular and I was was caught up in the folk feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you play guitar as a, as a youngster? I mean, as you were growing up or? Well, I, I learned guitar when I was 13. So basically kind of just starting to become a human-ish time. <laughs> um, and I learned it at school, actually. I took like a guitar class at school and then after I did like a year of that and then I just like stopped and then just started writing songs basically. So it was like more focused on like the songwriting rather than the, like the skills. <laughs> um, yeah. And aside from like the Lumineers who you just mentioned, I mean, who were your like really early influences, like in your teen years? Well, it's weird because when I was like, when I was growing up, like pre teen years, I wasn't allowed to listen to non-Christian music. So, and, but it's funny because both my parents like, oh, there's my cat. Excuse me. Um, both of my parents are actually cool people and have good music taste, but it was just this weird period of time where like that, they got really caught up in it. And um, so no non-Christian music until I was basically in my preteen years. And I like started discovering like the Beatles. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> like it's just like, <laughs> um, so I would, I, but I would say like my, my, or, like my teen influences were, were definitely folk and like the songwriting was like very important to me. Right. And yeah. where did you grew up in Florida? Is that where you were raised? Yes, I did. <laughs> Which part? Melbourne, Florida, which is southeast of Orlando. It's like near Cape Canaveral. Mm. So I got to see the the space shuttles launch from my front yard. Oh, I'm so jealous. I'm so It was jealous. so awesome. My grandpa actually was um, the director of, of NASA in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and so like my family, I have like a connection to, to like space stuff. My dad was like super into it. Um, yeah because of that <laughs> yeah have you ever have you seen um for all mankind it's on apple um, no is it a, oh, is it a tv show yeah it's a series they did around nasa and around like the early 70s they changed the narrative oh. a little bit about having women as part of the astronaut program oh so God, it kind of flips so it a little bit the script yeah but huntsville's that. always in there you know yes, the tapes that's, in there so yeah you would that's appreciate where it. my grandpa was and where my grandma was as well yeah, that is fantastic. Yeah, that's um, weird. <laughs> so on this record, I mean, did you collaborate with some of the songwriting or is all the writing yours? Um, yeah, like, I guess a few of the songs were collaborations. Um, I'm not like a big like co-writing person at this moment. And I wasn't like when I was making the album and, and I have done it, but um I, I was m mostly collaborating with my producer, Matt Bishop. Um, and my, I had also had um, a producer I worked with before, but I worked more on the songwriting with Matt. Um, so I collaborated on Heaven's Just a Flight, um, so the chorus of 16, and then Fall in Love. And I worked with like a professional songwriter, people, the gifted on Fall in Love. The gift, they're called the gifted. They're great. They're great dudes. They're awesome. <laughs> I thought you were giving them like a high praise. No, they, that's, <laughs> produced, that's like their like writer names. The gifted. They gave themselves high praise instead. Yes, so. they're they're lovely. They're great people. Um, guys or gals? Or guys, guys. Guys. Producer, songwriter, duo. Um, so it was like my first like professional songwriting, you know, 
situation. Session. Yeah, session, situation, whatever. <laughs> I forget being in my house for so long, like what the names of things are. It's, it, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so I'm listening to the songs and the record. I mean, I get a sense, I mean, you're in a relationship, but I still get a sense mm-hmm. you're a hopeless romantic because that's what yes. a lot of these sound like. So, <laughs> Yes. I, I mean, I always have been, but I, I think I became more of a hopeless romantic when I came out. Like when I was like dating men and thought I was straight, I kind of just like, like, I'm never going to get married. And I don't even like having sex with you anyway. <laughs> I hope this, is this a PG situation? No, or is I, I've accepted the R rating on okay. uh, Apple podcast. Okay. So. I'm sorry. I should have asked before. Yeah. Oh my God. But it's, um, it's all good. What was that path like from you? I mean, obviously coming from a really devout Christian family and your own beliefs were that way for a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was that path for you and how did you navigate it? It was a deconstruction. So, um, when I was in, like, when I was a senior, I thought that I like knew myself like in this religion and in this faith system. And I went to college and started like getting away from the like physical environment of all of these people kind of telling you what is right and what is good and what you need and what you want. And I just, it was like pieces just kind of started flying off and cracking and showing me like, Oh shit. Like I have, I've had this kind of like outer shell kind of covering my identity and it was the same way. Like, it was like all part, like my section, me coming out, my sexuality was, was part of that too. And it was something I had buried, you know? And, um, so I didn't fully like deconstruct from it until I was 21 basically. And so like, I was, I was a Christian from like the time I was like 13 until I was 21, which is very like, difficult time in your life um and it really influences you so I just had to deconstruct a lot of shit that I was taught um yeah so it wasn't I mean do you feel like that was something you did on your own or was it a person that came into your life that helped you kind of trigger that well, you working first, it out on your own well what kind of triggered it was my brother getting cancer for the first time um he so he eventually passed away from cancer a couple years ago, but he, um, the first time he got sick was like, I was like 19, like going into my second year of college and starting to have like symptoms of depression and anxiety. And I didn't know what was going on and everything kind of like hit me around that period of time. Um, well, and I was also trying to make music at the time. Um, and that's when I was doing like my folk project, which, um, I don't know. It all just is like, it's just like weird to revisit, but it's, but that was, that was basically like that period of time. So that tragedy in your life, mm-hmm. I mean, kind of triggered you having to live more truthfully, um, cause life is short yeah. and, uh, yeah. it, or it just, it just changed my whole perspective on life. And I'm really, I'm glad it happened, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously like not glad that I don't have my brother anymore. It's horrible, but 
glad that initial sort of like breaking of what I had built for myself started happening. So. And I assume the song, my brother's voice is somewhat, uh, yeah. A remembrance to him on the record itself. Oh yeah. Well, basically when heavens, I wrote heavens, just a flight, the song, the title track of the album right before he passed away. And it was when I knew he was starting. So he got sick, like when I was like 19 and then he got sick when I was, um, 23 and, so it was like a good period of time where he was like, fine, you know, and we had like a normal relationship again after he was in remission. Um, but then it just started going south. And I don't know if like anyone listening, you know, like when like someone gets sick, it's, it's either it's like it happens like this or it's like you're watching it kind of fall apart. So we, watched, we were just watching him fall apart for months. And we didn't want to believe that he was going to die, but like, I knew it, like we all knew it, but we didn't want to like, we wanted to believe that like something was going to happen, some miracle. So I wrote the title track like a month before he passed away. And I was like ruminating on um, how he would want me to look at his death and his passing. And my brother was an extremely jovial, smart, amazing person so younger he, or older than you he was older so he was 33 he was a doctor oh wow um devoted his life to um, palliative care which is end of life care and he devoted his life to that after initially getting sick okay. so when um when i wrote the song i just wanted to write something that felt like like i could forever celebrate him in the way that I know he would want to be celebrated. And yeah, so it was, it's weird, weird timing, <laughs> but, uh-huh. but it was, it's nice to have, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's a lovely song. Um, the song I really love too is fall in love. I think that song is Thank fantastic. You. And Thank uh, you. I don't know. I love everything about it. So Thank it's a, you. It's a I wrote song. that. I wrote that when I was falling in love with my girlfriend and this, this, this is my first girlfriend. So I, the, that was when the hopeless romantic was really coming out was like, Oh my God, I'm in love with this woman. Oh my God. And that was how fall in love came about. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. How long did it take you to make this? And I know, you know, for a young artist, it's not like, some labels handing you, you know, a hundred thousand dollars and saying, go make a record. So what were the obstacles to you doing this? I mean, assembling a team, um, being able to really pull this off as an independent artist. I mean, I didn't know I was making a record. I was just writing music and I, I started just becoming more comfortable recording myself. So I started just doing all my, my demos and everything. But whereas before I would seek out and pay a producer And, um, I like picked up the guitar. I had like, like ditched the guitar for a while after I was like over folk music. I'm like, fuck this. Like, but then I picked up the guitar again and I picked up the electric guitar as opposed to the acoustic guitar. And it was like, it was, um, basically just me learning how to use logic and writing. And that is how the album was made. (laughs) Literally, it took me three years. It was just, it was just an exploration of like what I can do, what is possible, what feels right, what can I push myself on, what what can I physically do production wise, like that 
somebody else that like I hire couldn't do, you know? Um, so I wanted to just like give myself like a real shot at like really trying to, um, do it myself. And I, it, obviously I didn't do the, the entire thing and every single thing myself, but the initial ideas were all by myself and, um, in my room before I went to work at Trader Joe's, like I worked at Trader Joe's for two years and, um, like I would work like the three to 11 shift and then like write a song and then like download like the MP3 of it. And then like, listen to it, like while I'm in like the stock room, like doing shit. So I'm like writing while I'm at work too. Um, it was just, it was honestly, it was just, I have no fucking idea how Mm. it happened. Um, and I, I just met great people along the way. And, um, my former manager, Jeff Newberger is this amazing guy. And he, we worked together for a few years, just as I was, I was really just trying to figure out what I was doing. Um, and he introduced me to Pete, Peter Bauer of the Walkman. Um, he was doing management at the time and, but now he's, he started his own label. And so basically it was just people meeting people and, you know, having relationships, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, and I, I honestly, I, I didn't even get introduced to Bridget until this year. My manager now, um, I was introduced to um, by Peter, my yeah, my label. Bridget Wright, who managed yes. Rage Against the Machine in their yes. prime. So um, she's the coolest, freaking amazing person. She is like I worship her. She is her pictures amazing. next to the word loyalty. So um, she she. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really, really, really adore her. Yeah, for sure. And during this process, I mean, is it hard, like, you know, as your skills improve, as you go along, right, you're trying to figure this out. I mean, did yeah. you have to cast aside like a lot of the earlier stuff and say, Oh, well, I really was kind of not quite in my spot yet. The um, thing about the album though, is it's like a weird puzzle of my early musings and demos and things that turned into ideas up until literally the beginning of the pandemic last year. So the the last song that I wrote for the album was Hero um, when the pandemic had just started and the Black Lives Matter protests were going on. It was just like, it was crazy, crazy times. And so uh, I forgot what I was saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we were talking about how how your progression as you progressed as an artist through this. Oh, maybe, maybe the earlier yeah. stuff didn't make the cut compared no, to the later. No, the stuff. album is a is a is a conglomeration of all of it. Is is you could basically hear which songs were the early ones and which ones are like the more recent ones and the more polished ones and the like more bedroom demo stuff and like I was really self conscious about it at first where it was like, this album is not cohesive. <laughs> like shit, this is not, <laughs> but, but what the person who actually convinced me to release this as an album was Pete uh, fortune tellers. He started his own label. Um, he just really got me to see that it was like, I was putting out something very true and real and not super planned and super, you know, like, you can, like when when you when you're like an established artist you have things planned and everything is like thought out and like like this is just it's like been I was just been throwing paint at a wall and and then I made like my my art and so when he convinced me to make it an album I I saw it 
finally. Whereas like the individual songs that were like more demo-y, I was like, oh, I don't like this. This isn't good enough, whatever. But as a whole picture, the whole album, it's just, it feels very true to me. Um, which is a matters. nice feeling. It's a nice feeling. I didn't know that I was going to get here like, right. on my own. Well, it's your first record and it should feel that way. Um, you know, until you have a larger fan base and then you're going to feel like you're in service to them. Um, yeah, then it's going to get a little little less pure maybe. Um, I know. That's what I, I think I was just, I, I didn't realize that. Like I thought I had to be polished and perfect. And like I wanted to be because I want to be you know, I want to do this as my career, obviously, but I think that was like really holding me back from making the true stuff. Um, yeah. So let me ask you, I know there's challenges to being a young artist. You know, you've talked to a few, a few of those as far as having to sustain yourself, mm -hmm. you know, working jobs, mm -hmm. um, trying to be creative, <laughs> working jobs. Um, when I was an A&R guy, you know, that still existed for most of my artists. Um, yeah. The thing they didn't have to deal with was social media, right? They could spend most of their um, time on their careers and most of their times on becoming better musicians and touring. Yeah. And it, it, it wasn't such a distraction. So I kind of wanted to read something that I picked up on I, your Instagram, if I may. <laughs> sure. And I want to talk about it because I think it's important to young artists and like some of the pressures you guys put yourselves under nowadays um, okay. in this social media thing. So this is from you. I, I don't know the date. Um, I've been pursuing music as my career for long enough, and I'm starting to notice the toxic, toxic patterns of thought coming up over and over again. I find myself comparing myself to others, especially on social media I'd myself focusing on the numbers and the outcomes and adding those up to determine my worth. Well, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think you can do that with my, with any career you pursue, but fuck it. I'm an, I'm writing songs to make people happy, trying to be better at letting go of shit, but it's fucking hard. Yeah. Um, and I thought, wow, <laughs> thanks. that's like, <laughs> that's the, definitely a challenge of today for a young artist. And yeah. um, I think your honesty about that, talk about that a little bit, talk about where you were at that day or whenever you posted <laughs> that, and if you can remember. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've, I, I think that my biggest challenge has been dealing with social media and like my biggest challenge internally, I guess, like it's so easy to compare yourself when everything is right there in front of you. And when you're just trying to build something like the numbers are going to be like little, you know, it's going to be little for a while. <laughs> you got to, it takes time to build something. And I know that. And like the people that love me know that. And the people who like follow my music know that but it can feel like you're not doing enough or you're not good enough or you're not posting enough or you're not doing enough TikToks or like you're not doing enough reels. You could be at this higher level, but you're not doing enough. So it always feels like I could be doing more when I just made a fucking 16 song album and now I need to be making TikToks every day. Like that's like, I like, 
that's the expectation. And it's not that like my management or anything makes me feel that way. It's just the reality is like, if you're trying to build an audience, this is a tool to help you do that. And I think I'm, I'm still figuring out my place in it. Whereas I feel like some artists do it really well. And they do. They just, you know, don't take it too seriously and have fun with it. And sometimes I find myself taking it too seriously, but then sometimes I find myself just having fun with it. And I, I get, I just get kind of critical about myself sometimes with social media and, um, yeah, it's just really weird. <laughs> just really weird. I feel you because, you know, launching a podcast in this environment <sighs> over the last six months with 2 million people out there, um, you do feel sometimes like a speck and it's like, what is this all for, man? I'm busting my yeah, ass. Right, you know? exactly. And, and when there are people that you can compare yourself to literally like on your phone, you're just like hanging out, looking at your phone and then not even thinking about your career. And then, you know, someone you really admire pops up and you're like, why am I not good enough to be there? What's wrong with me? <laughs> like why? But, um, like I said in the post, I'm recognizing when I get there and trying to just let it go. Because I know I'm trying to, I'm just making music to make people happy. Like that's what music is for. And I'm expressing myself. That's like literally it. Like there's not, you know, it's, that's, that's literally it. So yeah. I need to just stop fucking worrying so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, the, the, but the harsh reality for anyone listening here, Spotify just released this week that they're uploading 60,000 songs a day to the platform. 60,000. Mm-hmm. It's like it's drinking from a fire hose nowadays. And, mm -hmm. you know, how does someone talented really cut through that? Um, right. It's a lot of pressure is put on the social media side. It is. To it cut is. through. Yeah. And I'm still like an old, like, idealist that believes that if you make the right music, your audience finds you. I, I'm, I'm, so. I'm the same way. <laughs> I hope that's, what, that's what kept me doing this. <laughs> Instead of just, I'm going to try to just keep making stuff. I believe that's still the truth. So, yes, you know. I, I agree. I, I agree. I think yeah. it's easy to get very like, oh, the world is so fucked up and the internet is so fucked up. It's like, okay, let's calm the fuck down. It's always mm. been really fucked up. <laughs> and we're just experiencing a new level. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and nowadays you live in Los Angeles, right? You, you, yeah. how, did you how did that move come? for you was it more about being around a different type of creative community i followed nashville? a guy <laughs> oh, <you laughs> i was i was in nashville yeah i was in nashville after college and working and i worked at multiple restaurants like serving and um i was getting very burnt out on the nashville scene it's very small and if you're if you've never seen anything else like i came from florida it kind of just feels like oh god like if I can't make it here, I can't make it anywhere. <laughs> like this sucks. Uh, so I was getting really burnt out and I was dating a guy at the time and um, he's, he does like film stuff and he's like, I'm moving to LA. And I was like, okay, I'll move to LA. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but it ended up being like the absolute best thing for me. Um, but I think I needed that push to get out of my comfort zone and to go somewhere uncharted. Yeah. And it's a much larger creative community and, you know, a yeah. lot of different in different 
verticals. It's not as insular um, mm-hmm. as I've found Nashville to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is very insular and also very like it's not competitive, but it's like it's like it's not competitive like LA competitive. It's like it's like we'll come to every one of your shows and like support you like other artists but then like feel desperately insecure about like our own career and like they could just like the not being honest about how you actually feel because you just are so nice you're you're in nashville you know you just want to be nice but um i'm glad that i got out of that so that i could um i could just be honest with myself with what Mm. i who i was and what i wanted I think it just took me getting out of like a, a familiar environment. Yes. And have you done much touring like prior to COVID? Did you have some, I have, some experience? I mean, some, yeah. I mean, I, when I was in Nashville, I um, was singing in like background vocals for a band. And um, while I was on the tour with them, they were breaking up. <laughs> Um, it was my first tour. Um, I also did like, like a living room tour with a friend of mine from Nashville. Um, and then I did my first real tour in 2019, um, opening for Alex Leahy. And it was the most amazing experience of my life. The shows, I mean, like the smallest shows had like 15 people at it, but like the biggest shows had like four or 500 people, you know? And so it was like, I got like, it was just, it was the most, it makes me so happy to think about. And I'm so glad that I like got that in there before COVID, you know, like it was literally 2019 in August. It was also right before my brother passed away. Mm. Um, so yes, wonderful experience. I loved it. And I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> fantastic. So let me ask you, is there an artist's career that you um, think is a nice, um, model for you something you want to kind of emulate with your career is there someone that stands out cindy lopper <laughs> i okay currently have very cindy lopper hair and it wasn't like me trying to look like her or anything it just was like I, it happened but it's very on brand for me because i'm obsessed with the 80s and i'm obsessed with cindy lopper but what i love about cindy is her music is so can be so fun and just carefree, but then she has time after time, which like the lyrics in that song are really fuck you up. Like, so I, what I hope my career can look, and also I like her social media presence so much. She's just so fun and like also so supportive of the LGBT community. Like I love her. Um, Yeah. And she, I mean, just always, always like a heavy focus on songwriting and she's an amazing performer and kind of like, reaches across, um, you know, uh, generations and reaches across kinds of people and different kinds of music. And so, yeah, Cindy. (laughs) That's a a pretty good choice. That's a home run. So I love um, her. (laughs) Very good. I love that. So, um, well, listen, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. I'm really excited for your record and for people Thank to hear it. You. Um, Thank you. I can tell how much work you put into it and how many obstacles you overcame to kind of create it. And um, that makes the music better, unfortunately. It's it does. What it, takes. <laughs> it does make the music better. <laughs> the more shit you go through, I guess the music yeah. becomes better. 
Yeah, let me throw up some more traps for you to try to get through. Yes, you're like, some... let me just fuck up your life real quick. Yeah. Here's how the gauntlet <laughs> looks for a successful artist. Yes, um, yes. No, I, don't, I don't wish that on you, but... Oh, no, um, it's okay. I accept life's, life is going to be hard, and that's just life, and you just take it, and you try to do your best and be with the people you love, you know? Yep, indeed. Nothing's so, easy. I your think. brother would be proud. So Thank good job. You. Kyle is number one dedication of the album is for Kyle. Awesome. As it should <laughs> yeah. be to Kyle. To Kyle. So, well, I look forward to seeing you live once this all <laughs> passes. Because I, I want to see how too. you do live. Um, Thank you. <laughs> And um, again, good luck with the release of the record. Thank and you thank so you much. For joining I appreciate me. you having me on. I really appreciate it. It was lovely uh, talking to you. You were very generous. It was nice to meet you. Thank you so much. All right. Stay healthy. Okay. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening this week. To follow what's going on with this podcast, you can go to theradicalpod.com theradicalpod.com. You'll find show notes and past episodes and uh, even a little swag there if you want a t-shirt or a hat. I would be honored if you'd subscribe at Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Till next week.